Well, you look like three fine lads. You know, I might have something here you'd like to try. Something to make you feel real good. There's myriad wild and wonderful ways to say no. Don't say no way. Better learn a few and take them wherever you go. No dice, no sir. If you're confident, let's get by. Here's a practical reply. Go ahead, let's fly. Spit right in his eye and say no. Watching the all-star games with major league baseball the nba the nfl pro bowl was always a big deal but have you ever heard of a cartoon all-star game well let's get into that welcome to the saint canard files a dark wind up podcast i'm your host will santana and hey i'm alive uh and the co-host <laughs> today is mike russo how's everyone doing how's it going mike i'm good i'm good and also joining us is our friend from the uk tim partridge Hi. How's it going, Tim? Well, thank you. Good to hear your voice again, Mike. It's been a while. It's been a very long time. Yeah, it's good to be back for this episode. Oh, yeah, man. It's it's good to hear Mike's again, man. It's been so long since me and you have recorded together. Um, but unfortunately, we're not doing a Darkwing episode today, man. No, we're doing something very different. Okay, before we get into something very, very different, Mike... Um and Tim, uh Tim, I'm not too sure if you've been reading the Darkwing comics, Mike. I know you haven't been too fond of them. Has it grown any? You still the same? It gotten worse to you? Where you at now? Um, I'll tell you this much. I actually liked Negaduck number one. Mm-hmm. That wasn't bad. I'm still not feeling the other one though. Oh, it's the other one that doesn't have a name. Feel, still not. <laughs> <laughs> what is it these these issues are already entitled so it's just like it's just dark wing duck and i'm just not i'm just not feeling it man um but negaduck is very good i actually really enjoyed that and i guess perhaps part of why i stopped doing the show is that i felt like after a while it would just be me ragging on these things and mm-hmm. i don't want to be a downer you know that's not fair to the listeners that's a part of it Although sometimes you just kind of got to know when it's time to move on, you know? Yeah. But I never said I was totally gone. And when you asked me to come back and do this episode with you, I thought it was a really good idea. Okay. And Tim, have you any chance read the uh, Darkwing comics or the Negaduck comics yet? 
Not yet, but I, I've really loved the covers on the Darkwing series. Some of them are really great. I believe there's an artist, Kat Staggs. I think some of her stuff looks fantastic, the covers that I've seen. And everything I've heard about Negaduck is is totally positive, and the artwork looks great, looks absolutely fantastic. I love the artwork that we've got from uh, from some of these comics, just wonderful. Okay, now I guess I'm going to touch it really quick. Um I semi agree with Tim. I think some of the covers are really bad. <laughs> um, some of the covers are decent. There's a few of them that are good. Um, I've only read up to, I think, issue six, Mike. Um, I'm not fond of it at all. Maybe one so far of the Dark Queen I was okay with. One. Um, the rest, no. Uh, Duck, I haven't read yet, but just like you, I haven't heard any bad things about Duck. Yeah, Negaduck is drawn better, and the story is better as well. I don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing with the main Darkwing comic. It's just not for me. All right. Well, before we still, we haven't even just told people what our topic is for today. But uh, really quick, just today, as a, a Darkwing purist, a Darkwing fan, I am a proud person today to say that the to to have a range. Dev Ross, the writer of The Hunting Mr. Banana Brain and uh, Time and Punishment. There's one episode I will never name from her. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> I know which one it is. Uh, and Aaron Sparrow, the writer of, uh, from the Joe Book series and Definitely Dangerous, correct? Yes. All right. Uh, he, he's he's at an event. They're all at an event um, sponsored by We Can Be Heroes comic. It's called uh, Comics and Cocktails. And a guest appeared, uh, appearance just showed up, uh, Mr. Taz Stones. So, which, is, which is pretty crazy because he hasn't done a show in a while. Yeah, you know, the godfather of Dark Queen is there. So, like, man, I'm just, uh, it, I, I'm jealous I'm not there. I'm jealous I'm not there. Point blank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Tim, why don't you let our people know, what are we reviewing today? What are we discussing? What are we talking about? Well, not being an American myself, this is something that uh, is is new to, to me, and that is Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, the uh, the anti-drug special broadcast on April 21st, 1990. All right, Mike, what was your history with this, like, really quick, like, you know, growing up? and Okay, so this is obviously this iconic special, whether it's good or bad, that's up, that's basically objective, but... Um, <laughs> It's like it's an iconic special and because it gathers all of these cartoon stars that someone who grew up in the late 80s would know. So that would be me. And I I remember very much looking forward to this special because literally every cartoon character I watched on Saturday mornings was in this thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less that it was an anti-drug thing like that. That didn't mean anything to me. But the idea of Michelangelo, Bugs Bunny, and Garfield being in the same special, like, that was big. And what Tim didn't mention is that this thing was so big, it aired on ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, USA, and in syndication. I think it might have even aired on Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Um, So if you were watching TV, I believe it was the Saturday morning that this aired, you couldn't escape it. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. And I am just, the, I was the target generation for this. 
I'm not saying it meant a lot to me. I don't didn't think I watched it much, but I remember it being a huge deal. Mm-hmm. How about you, Will? Okay, for me, I did not catch it when it aired on live TV. Again, I was overseas. Um, but I remember uh, in, inside the military base, inside of Fort Buchanan, uh, we had a store called the Shopette. Uh, the Shopette is like a smaller version of the PX. For those of you who live on military base, you know what the PX is. And the Shopette is like a mini version of it. So like they did have video rental there. So they, I think they had like maybe three to four copies of that cartoon rescue, um, cartoon all-stars um, rescue, but it was never there, but it was a big deal. So like every time we used to go to the Shopette, we were hoping it was there uh finally i just kept asking the store owner you know like what day is it due to come back and he would tell me the day and then i would just kind of hang out there was a pool like right across the street from the shop at so i would constantly like every hour on the hour try to go back in there hey did they did they return it did they return it i I probably did it like two weekends in a row and finally (laughs) i got lucky and someone brought it back and he held it behind the counter for me you know why i bet it was so hard for you to find it I'm looking at the VHS promotional poster. Mm-hmm. Rental stores rented it out for free. Yep. <laughs> That's why it was probably so hard to get it in stock. Yeah, it, it was very hard to get. So when we finally got it, um, all right, don't judge me. Uh, I was, what, 10, 11 years old when this came out. So we made a copy of it. <laughs> oh, we, wow. Yeah, we hooked up two VHSs, you know, VHS players, and I copied it before I had to return it because I wanted to make sure I had a copy of this thing. We did that all the time. I'm not judging <laughs> you. Although probably somewhere in a box in storage, I might have the VHS with the original television recording of this thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I have to go through my tapes one day. Now, Mike and Tim, I forgot about this thing uh probably into like the dvd errors first came out and i just remember seeing like in some old school forums you know about 80s and 90s cartoons and stuff people were just so requesting for this thing to come out on dvd and then that's when i was like oh my god i forgot about that thing you know it's a rights nightmare that's never gonna happen (laughs) although that said now these characters are owned by less companies now Mm-hmm. I mean, when okay. this came out, the Muppet Babies weren't owned by Disney, and Nickelodeon didn't own Garfield or the Ninja Turtles. So you could probably do something like this and get less companies involved. I mean, it's never going to happen, mm-hmm. but it's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, man. But I think what keeps this popular today is people love the crossover idea. Like, whenever people talk about who framed Roger Rabbit, the main thing they discuss is, wow, isn't it amazing how Warner Brothers and Disney cooperated for this? This is why this special is still talked about. Because mm-hmm. people are still so so shocked all these characters got together. Nobody pays mm-hmm. attention to the anti-drug thing. In fact, most people just make fun of it. It's <laughs> the cartoon characters mingling that they're really interested in. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So really quick, let me just go over the credits of this thing, because there's, there's a few surprising things about this. Um, first of all, one of the executive producers was Roy Disney, so Walt's nephew, um, and it was distributed by Buena Vista. So Disney, yeah, they had a hand in this in more ways than just the characters they loaned out. Um, 
it was written by Dwayne Poole and Tom Swale, um, writer of people I don't know. Tim, does that have any relevance to you? Both of them worked uh, at Hanna-Barbera for years as a team. Oh, that would explain why Hanna-Barbera got a shout-out during the credits, even though they didn't own any of these characters. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and I find the most interesting thing about the credits, to me at least, is that the song, in the middle of the uh, the special, A Wonderful Ways to Say No, that was done by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. Yeah. Right between Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I mean, a year and a half after this thing, about a year, year and a half after this thing aired, Howard Ashman was dead. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty amazing they were involved with this. And then, of course, you look at the voice talent. Wow. Yep. And it's also kind of sad a lot of these men are dead and women because Rusty Taylor was in this too. Um, but we have a Darkwing connection. Jim Cummings was in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, before we move on to actually talking about the special itself, is do you want to set up how this thing came to be or add any other background information? Yes, yeah, certainly. So just a brief context. I mean, this was during George H.W. Bush's uh, administration and his war on drugs. And there's a video online of a speech he gives in the White House with that, followed by uh, a speech by Joe Biden, who uh, was the uh, Delaware senator at that time. Um, but anyway, there is a rare joint congressional hearing that happened on the Thursday April the 19th, 1990, where they basically previewed a kind of um, an unfinished version of this before it went out for broadcast. And it gives a lot of details, actually, um, when you read the transcript, which I found on the Institute of Education Sciences website, if anyone's interested in looking at that. But basically, it lists, as you mentioned before, Mike, Roy E. Disney was really the person who pushed this. And Bonavista, as you say, distributed 350,000 videos to rental stores and libraries. Not Disney, though, but just Bonavista. Um, and this was the reason for this was that it the, the deal set up was that not one party would be see would be benefiting from this or seen as the creator of it. It was seen as a joint thing. And I think that neutralizes it by having it under Bonavista and not making it a Disney thing. Um, George Scott, George C. Scott, the great actor from Patton, um, he was paid an SAG minimum to voice the, the villain in this piece. And he had just worked on Disney's Rescuers Down Under as well. So he obviously his agent was probably pushing him to get into uh, into kids uh, TV. And the whole project was funded by McDonald's and Ronald McDonald's children's charities at $1 million. It was produced by Peabody Award winning Buzz Potemkin, who was a producer who'd done, I think, Berriston Bears specials and the Teen Wolf cartoon. And the production company for this, again, not Disney, not any production company, not Potemkin's uh, production company, but it was the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Foundation. Um, and this although, not, gen- although not to interrupt you, I do want to mention, um, before I forget, uh, the animation was farmed out to Wang. Yes. Um, which we have talked about on the Darkwing episodes. They did do Darkwing episodes. They did do DuckTales episodes. That's why those. That's why the uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie look as good as they do, because Wang worked on that show. Wang worked on Garfield. And Wang worked on Tiny Toons. So if Bugs Bunny looks familiar, that's because that's how we looked on that show, too. But yeah, Wang did all the animation on this special. I wanted to mention it here because I didn't want to forget. Um, so continue, Tim. And another Darkwing connection, quite significant as well. The musical director for this whole show was Steve Tyrell, who was the producer 
of the Darkwing Duck so theme song as we know it, the version that, that went out in uh, in syndication. So there's a there's a big connection there too, and he interpreted and adapted and arranged Mencken and Ashman's songs for this as well. But this this began this whole pro project had begun it, so four years in the making. So in 1986 there was a television the television academy had launched a campaign against substance abuse and in october of that year nancy reagan did a keynote speech at a luncheon addressing over a thousand members of the tv industry and all the studio heads of hollywood and then richard frank who was a president of walt disney studios he was in attendance and he immediately got to work on a all day on a substance abuse conference where he spoke to different people from the government and medicine and um, and created from that they had the campaign against substance abuse, which had this outreach program and um, cartoon All Stars to the Rescue was promised to not be a preachy lecture that kids will want to turn off. So, um, yeah, it, 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 uh, and that whole day was hosted um, with that preview was hosted by uh, was hosted by Joe Biden. So it's got a real interesting um, history to it. And um, the VHS copy of this begins with um it begins with uh, Bush and uh, was it Nancy Reagan or no Laura Bush, Barbara Bush, Barbara, Barbara Bush. Bush. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm I'm blank. I just blanked for a second. But what I wanted to mention is it does the VHS does also and the original airing have a commercial for the Ron McDonald House too, mm -hmm. and um, which is still a thing. They still have the donation bit boxes right in front of the registers at McDonald's. I mean. Say what you will about McDonald's and their rotten food, although I am addicted beyond belief, but I, I agree <laughs> the food is not great. Um, they still do good things for children. And that is the one good thing about that company that I hear very few negative things about. And the commercial they play before this special is actually pretty moving. Mm -hmm. With, the, you know, all these, all the, um, you know, the handicapped children singing the song and it just, it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. Um so should uh, Tim? Was there anything more you wanted to add, or are we ready to start this thing? Really, that that's it. I mean, the only other thing is that they. I, I'd read a, a breakdown too. Uh, I think it's on Cracked. Um, I might have that wrong. Um, but but that would little, be so funny. Is is it? I think I've <laughs> no, got that wrong. I'm thinking it'd be so funny considering the subject matter. It was in Cracked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But there's there's a there's a good oral history of this where the writers talk and they kind of mentioned about um, Christmas Carol being an influence on this and I think you can also see a bit of I think the Pinocchio the uh, the, the boys turning into donkeys there's an element of, of that there so it's got it, it there's there, that's an interesting breakdown um, and worth checking out too. I do okay. wonder how much um, Roger Rabbit's success kind of paved the way for them to get all these characters together because. Mm -hmm. It has to have had some influence. It's, it's definitely yeah. possible. Definitely possible. Um, you know what, Mike, before we get into this, I want to ask you and Tim something. Um, before we start this review, which character were you the most drawn to see? Like, I have to see this because this okay. character's in it. Here's my 1990 answer and here's my 2023 answer. Uh-oh. <laughs> in, in 1990, 100% Michelangelo. <laughs> because while all the rest of these characters stars were pretty much fading by 1990 aside from maybe Pooh, um ninja turtles was still white hot i think this was right around the time the first turtle movie came out yeah so ninja turtles was still the big thing yeah alf smurfs alvin and the chipmunks those guys were fading 
Ninja Turtles was huge. That got my attention. In 2023, it would have been it when I watched this for this episode we're doing, it was Bugs and Daffy. Oh, completely because, swat. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm I will tell you, I love Darkwing Duck. I don't know if I've really said this on the podcast, but in, if you were to ask me who are your favorite cartoon characters of all time, mm-hmm. I would say Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. I've never really said that on the podcast because it's mm-hmm. a Disney Darkwing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are like the greatest cartoon characters ever. And at this point in adulthood, I recognize that. And that's what I was looking forward to most when I watched it this time. Although 10-year-old me went nuts for Michelangelo. (laughs) How about you, Tim? Mike absolutely nailed it. 1990 me would be Michelangelo, 100%. 2023 me, George C. Scott, because I just think that's just incredible. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Uh, I would say for me, 1990, it was a tie between Michelangelo and uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It was definitely a tie for me back then. Now, and as an adult, it's the Muppet Babies, because I cannot find them anywhere. That that OG Muppet Baby stuff, I know Disney did a re, like a reboot of it, like, and it's like, it's modern version of it, but like that old school version, I, I just can't find it anywhere, man. There's a variety of reasons why they won't legally release that anymore. <laughs> I, oh. And I, I remember Katie Lee saying she wasn't happy about that because she was Rolf. Is it is it the music and the Star Wars references and all that stuff? It's it's a I think it's two things. I think it's all the footage they use in Muppet Babies that even apart from Star Wars, mm-hmm. there's stuff in there that Disney does not own the rights to. Second, Mm. I think Disney would just prefer to bury it so they can keep the newer version around as the definitive Muppet Babies. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what Katie Lee seemed to insinuate. They want to bury this to keep the newer version more relevant. Mm -hmm. But I think all the rights issues with the original show is the the real problem because Disney just doesn't want to spend the money. Mm. It's a shame. I think anything Henson did should be on DVD, but a lot of it isn't. Dang. All right, so yeah, it's a shame. So Tim, you want to go ahead and take us away and let's get let's get this plot and let's get this review going, man. Okay. So firstly, and certainly on the copy that I saw, there's a videographic presenting cartoon all stars, uh, and then we see again to what I believe is film footage of George H. W. Bush and Barbara Bush stroking their dog. <laughs> and it and it's two shots. We've got one that develops from kind of a wide, I think, to or it's a I can't remember if it's a close up to a wide or wide to a close up. Um, but Bush says, make the right decisions, stay away from drugs and alcohol. And they sort of summarize the plot very briefly. But that's that's these two shots, and they look cute with their dog. Um and then we dissolve or we uh, fade out, and then we fade in. And we see hillside. And a white picket fence, kind of perfect Norman Rockwell, uh, middle class neighborhood. And uh, you can kind of see behind this hills and stuff. And, and we, we move over to a big, really very, very big upper middle class house. Did either of you live in a house like this? Uh, nah, man. That's, <laughs> that's no. like TV, uh, TV homes, man. <laughs> All cartoon characters' homes in the 80s and early 90s were much bigger than mine ever were. Yeah, and they all had the picket fence, you know. <laughs> the thing that I noticed, actually, even at the beginning, is as soon as it begins, maybe, you know, you have an answer for this. 
I noticed that they are trying to show everything from a like like a small like a miniature person's perspective. So it's like the, the camera is really low on the ground and uh, looking up and everything looks distorted. And I don't know later on, we're kind of going into the character's mind with drugs and things and everything kind of goes out of control. But just at the beginning, it's like they're setting everything up as small. And then we, we move into um, the bedroom of Corey mm -hmm. in, in this big house. And um, she is the sister of the protagonist, Michael. Um, and again, we're seeing lots of these kind of small miniature people perspectives and we go down onto the ground and we see a comic book filled with smurfs and papa smurf is woken up because actually just before this a piggy bank which is resting on the side of a table is taken by a hand uh, out of the doorway and so papa smurf says what's that noise and it alerts everyone he says i'm smurf i was smurfing like a baby uh, and <laughs> And no, was, I'm just laughing because, like, a, a, as a child, I, I I didn't see the relevancy to seeing that the Smurfs were like watching somebody steal a piggy bank in somebody's bedroom, you know. But like, and as an adult, I'm like, that's a little weird—a comic they, book with the Smurfs, you know. They, all, they also <laughs> treat this as the the biggest scandal. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, comic book with the Smurfs were a comic before they were ever a cartoon. Well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this is like a knowing reference to that or just a way to get them into the special. But, you know, I will say that whenever the characters show up, they're drawn like they're supposed to look. They're voiced by the people who voiced them. Mm -hmm. Even some of the music, like they play the music from that is associated to the characters. Mm -hmm. So these the characters, when they appear, it's like super legit. Yeah, I agree. I would you feel like, that. hey, it's, it's the Smurfs. You got Don Messick as Popper Smurf. You got Barry Gordon as Brainy Smurf. You just, I don't know where Smurfette is, though. You don't see her. But it's the Smurfs. Like, there's no corners cut. It's just these characters that we've been watching on TV our entire lives, because I grew up with these guys. Yep. It's the Smurfs. Yeah, and it a... makes it really weird. They're all going to be talking about marijuana in about a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, so when they jump out of the comic book, we finally get, uh, I believe, Alf and Garfield were, were next, right? And Kermit the Frog. And what's really weird, and I, I, I'm just going to add to what I said about the miniature point of view thing. Mm -hmm. Are these characters, or are they the toys? Are they the merchandising uh, of of these characters? Because you have, you have, as you say, Mike, you have the Smurfs in a comic. You have a, a Kermit clock. You have Alf in a picture frame. Then you've got Garfield as a lampshade. <laughs> Which I think was a thing. The, yeah. The chipmunks are in a record album cover. Yeah. And Pooh is a Pooh is a legitimate stuffed animal. Stuffed, but yeah. So I my my feeling is because I know we've said this before about the Roger Rabbit comparison. In Roger Rabbit, those characters were supposed to be cartoons Tunes. in the human yeah. world. Mm -hmm. It feels like in this that the characters are toys, are toy versions of themselves in this, you know, in in this human world. But except as we for go deep, as we go deeper, though, they kind of abandon that. Yeah. Yeah. And also the scale of how tall they are. Like at the beginning, they're very, they are miniature people. They are like toys. But then later on, they become human size and they kind of adjust from scene, scene to scene, whatever the story needs. So, yeah. The, I, the I whole special surreal, though, with like crazy dream sequences. So I don't think logic is really supposed to play into it as long as you get the message that drugs are bad. You know? Sure. Um, 
And it's funny you mentioned Alf and Garfield. Funny for a couple of reasons. Um, the main one is putting Alf alongside a character that he would gladly eat if he had the <laughs> chance. Oh, yeah. And second, this was like a couple of months at, at the most before the Alf sitcom ended and Alf faded into obscurity. Right. But this right. was when Garfield was probably still pretty popular. And I, it's I, still, and it's so weird to hear Lorenzo music as Garfield. I really miss him. Yeah. I, I, really, I really miss him. I will say this, though. Alf is the one of the cartoon I was the weakest of. I didn't watch his cartoon as much. I did watch the live action series, though. I didn't watch the cartoon much either. I think I mm. maybe watched it once in a while, but the TV show I loved. Yeah. And then well, so we so we got the Smurfs, we got Alf, we got Garfield. Uh who's next, Tim? Well, also Alvin and the Chipmunks are in a record we've mentioned before. And then for, for for no reason, the only one who isn't really represented as a product is Slimer, who appears through a wall and then devours an ugly lampshade. Not the um the, the Garfield one, but there's another ugly lampshade that has fruit next to it for absolutely no reason. Uh, and then that justifies Slimer to then fly up in the air and from his mouth. He fires a beacon of light onto the the area where the missing piggy bank once was. Who was the voice how... of Slimer? Who, who who was the voice of Slimer? That would be Mr. Frank Welker. Wow. OG. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. I think he's probably the one. No, Don Messick would probably be a little bit more, but yeah, Frank Welker at this point was already established for about 20 years. And wasn't Lorenzo Music one of the Ghostbusters? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he was one of the Ghostbusters, too. Mm -hmm. um, I think Slimer gets the least amount of screen time in this thing. Mm -hmm. Understandably. Right? You don't really get a lot of Slimer. Um, any other characters? Have we hit them all? Kermit? I think I've written down Bugs Bunny poster on wall question mark. There so... is one. In, there, there is a Bugs Bunny poster in Michael's room. Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go. And Kermit's Frank Welker, too. Oh, really? I did not yes. know that. Baby baby Kermit was Frank Welker. Did not know that. Okay. Yep. And does does Pooh speak in this scene at all? I don't think uh, so. Yes, no, yeah, he, try, he tried to wake up Corey. Yeah. So that, that would be our, our first of, I think, two Jim Cummings connections, because mm -hmm. obviously he's Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very... very... Go okay. on, Tim. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying they're very, they're all very ineffectively trying to wake Corey up, as 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 Will says, um, and um, she obviously sees that that the uh, piggy bank is missing, and um, we see them see Michael, I believe, in his room, and he's confronted by Corey, and um, he has a box, a metal box, and um, I'll leave you too discuss that. All I was gonna well, first thing I was gonna say is um, you guys know who voiced Michael. Uh, nice. Jason Marsden. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yep, Good yep, old yep. Max. The future Max goof. Yep. Um. Yeah. So he doesn't want Corey to see the the box, so he hides it under the bed, where yeah. um the chipmunks and Alf is Garfield there too. I don't think sure. Garfield I think... was there. I gotta say, I really appreciate Alf and Garfield being in this scene because they can come up with the humor that kind of at least cuts through the drama of all this drug stuff. Mm -hmm. at, at least. And then, so they open the box, they see the drugs, and that's when Simon says, you know, I, I'd hate to think this, but it's it's marijuana. It's so weird to hear him say that. 
He says, marijuana, an unlawful substance used to experience artificial highs. Until they legalize it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Simon. Um, Okay, so Tim, what happens after that? Corey says uh, Michael is acting weird and asks what's wrong with his eyes. Uh, and then Michael kind of is, is snappy. And, and Corey says, but you always tell me everything. And um, Michael basically makes a run for it um, and leaves the house. And his, we hear his mother call out to him. Michael, are you OK? And um, the, the cartoon all stars, I forget which ones, but they say Michael needs our help. And they're, deser- they're determined to follow Michael. And we see, when we see Michael leave the house, we de- established at the beginning of the episode that on one side of looking down one side of the road on their street is this picturesque hillside with just just picturesque, beautiful countryside with hills. And on the other side, we now see that there is this caricatured cartoon Roger Rabbit like. City, dirty cityscape and it's all within walking distance so then we um we go to a video arcade can i where, just say it's really uh, weird how all these characters decide to run after him and help him yeah they but all made they a kind of, but they kind of don't really do anything do we even see the smurfs again uh i think we see them during the song later aside in. from the song like mm-hmm. the, the smurfs the chipmunks definitely those guys garfield too they don't do anything from mm-hmm. this point on it's like it's kind of just like hey remember these guys they're not really gonna do much but here they are um although Pooh does not come with anybody else he stays with, with Corey. Uh, yeah. yeah i think and slimer's done right i don't think we see slimer ever again no we never see slimer i think maybe at the very very end but i think that's it for slimer okay you know it's possible they may have had like certain contracts on how often they use some of these characters Mm-hmm. you know it's po- anyway so tim says they go to an arcade i mean right? i was just gonna add, add to that mike what you said i think that there's probably a checklist that it feels like very much so that they're introducing all this ip up front and every one of them has to have equal screen time and equal amounts of lines as well or at least later on they're all going to balance out in terms of what they are so it, it's a very contrived way to open a you know a piece and it's this is like it goes on for five or ten minutes before we actually get to the story it seems very intent to get you excited like oh my god look at all these 80s saturday morning cartoons that you love but most of these guys don't factor into the story after this Mm -hmm. yeah we we get to the video arcade which is portrayed as very demonic and we hear lots of very evil 80s electric guitar music which is sounds very uh very villainous and uh, michael is smoking with his friends and at this point as he blows on his uh joint his joint um <laughs> we get a swirl of smoke come out and there's a character who's literally called smoke and he's voiced by the great George C. Scott, who, as I said, I think Roy Disney probably grabbed him while he was walking out of the, uh, you know, the, the 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 recording booth for Rescuers Down Under and said, and hey, I, we're doing this drug thing. Yeah, and I, and I got to say, from a visual standpoint, this special isn't much, but I do love the design of this character. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he looks cool. I mean, I so maybe too. I shouldn't say that because he's the villain. He's trying to get the kid to smoke. But I think he's a cool design. <laughs> yeah, very Ghostbusters. Yeah, very much so. Oh, 
man. That's funny. You say maybe I shouldn't say that. I think it's fine at our age. You can say it. <laughs> I know. I'm a teacher, so there's a little bit of me that feels guilty about saying things like that. <laughs> I, I can see that as a teacher, and you're a father. I can see that, but still, you know. <laughs> Oh my bad, Tim. Go ahead, keep going, keep going. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and then, and then one of Michael's friends says, "There's a new drug I want to show you." And then he show, reveals, but doesn't name what I, I'm guessing is supposed to be crack. Oh yeah, crack. And, crack um, was the big was a big deal in the '90s, the early '90s, man. Uh, I remember the first time I, I even heard of crack was from that movie New Jack City with uh, Wesley Snipes, and right. They made crack a big deal in that movie. That's all I kept hearing about in the 90s. It was the new version of cocaine. Uh, and I, have to, I have to say, I'm glad in, 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 in a way they did introduce the crack because mm-hmm. if this entire thing was just about marijuana, it'd be a lot harder to take it seriously. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. As someone who, I mean, it's legal. As someone who has done that, it's not a big deal. And if the whole special was about it, it wouldn't, it'd be very silly. So mm-hmm. introducing harder drugs is, was probably a smarter way to go. That's yeah. just my own opinion. I think if they'd been consistent with one or the other, because I think this this idea of leaping, one introduces you to, I mean, what it's trying to say in the, in the show is that you, the peer pressure, it's about the peer pressure, isn't it? People saying, try this, try this, don't be a baby, try this, try this. But the, the leap of logic that you're going to be having marijuana and then at one point they talk about alcohol and then that leads to crack. And then later on, it leads to what's implied to be heroin. And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's it's very out of touch um, with 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 reality. But that's again, that's but, just but, but so were the people making laws against this stuff. So absolutely. Anyway, that's another that, well, that's another episode. Isn't every, it? Everything was demonized because everything was demonized whether it made sense or not and, um, and, and and people in the 80s entertainment industry were definitely not taking coke definitely not so uh oh definitely not right <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just really funny we're talking about this right now because i was already watching cheech and chong movies at my age you know so yeah. it was like to me weed was like i couldn't wait to at least try it one time so it was like well it was the <laughs> 80s do a lot of coke and vote for ronald reagan <laughs> that's a mystery science theater joke um so the cops show up at least you hear the sirens and all the kids make a run for it michael dashes down an alley you see a big cop shadow on the wall and then who should show up but the man your boy the man the greatest (laughs) cartoon character of all time who's like so above every other character we've already met it's not even funny Mm -hmm. but have you noticed noticed as as he's coming up and when they're running out of the um of the arcade the way that they've drawn and the way that they've done the layouts for the backgrounds of this alleyway they've made it to imply a prison and remember, this is a time of mass inc- where, where all mass incarceration was a big part of the, the war on drugs uh, and, and and Bush. And you can see, like, as Michael's running towards the wall, it's got barbed wire over the top of it, like a prison. And there's one if you if you're really sad like me and you go through this frame by frame, you can see that in the background, you can see a silhouette of a, of a skyscraper that's meant to look like a prison tower. So it's implying the idea of you're go- he's going to go to prison. I mean that's how heavy heavy handed it is, but um, even yeah, look they, at a joint, you're going to jail. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So Bug shows up, and then um, he's taking uh, Michael to a time machine, correct? That he yep. borrowed from some coyote. <laughs> and, and, was that and, Wiley Coyote's time machine? I don't think Wiley Coyote ever used a time machine, but of all the Looney Tunes, I guess he'd be the one most likely to use one. Mm-hmm. Although he probably would have gotten it from Acme, so I don't think I would have tried to use it. But I will say this: this was a year maybe after Mel Blank died. Wow, okay. So this is one of the first times I can remember that Bugs Bunny talked, and it wasn't. The real OG. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mel Blank is Frank Welker has nothing on Mel Blank. So this was one of the first times he spoke without Mel Blank, and I think he's he sounds like Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So where do they go? Where does he take him in this time machine that he borrowed from a coyote? Well, we we go into black and white mode, and the episode turns into structurally a Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and. Um, and he's taken back in time. Because everything in the past is black and white, says Bugs. <laughs> and and just, that's that's when um, they, they show like Michael as a kid where he has a shirt on with an M. So we're like, we know that's Michael, right? <laughs> and I do really? like when, when Bugs sees the joint, he doesn't like mess around. He just goes, what's that? A joint? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Bugs, Bugs would totally refer to marijuana as a joint. Well, the other mm-hmm. characters are too afraid to talk like that. That's just how Bugs Bunny talks, and I think that's I think that's pretty cool, you know, because it's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. While this is going on as well, by the way, we cut back to Michael's house, and we see his parents, his dad, is finding missing beer in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, I mean, it's very sexist how this is all kind of laid out, because you've got dad, dad is is very uh, like an alpha stereotype and mum it looks like she's from a 1950s sitcom doing the dishes <laughs> or something um, i didn't even notice that i did not notice that <laughs> but come on our favorite characters in darkwing duck one of them dresses like a 50s sitcom mom that yeah. was just the thing yeah. No, but that was for humor. They were making fun of yeah. it. Whereas here, it's totally with a straight face. And you know, she says, "You probably watched them. What you probably drank them watching football, dear." And then he says, "I'm going to go clean out the garage. Call me for lunch." I mean, how completely backwards and sexist <laughs> Honest, is that? Honestly, the thing that surprised me the most about this entire special is how casual they had Dad go to the fridge for a beer. Yeah. I feel yeah. like they demonized the mar- all the drugs and Michael wanting Michael stealing beer. They demonized all of it, but they were totally up. Matter of fact, matter of fact about the dad just going to get a beer for just casual drinking, and I don't know why that surprised me more than anything else. It just kind of did. Like right. you, like the teenager shouldn't drink, but dad can go get a beer. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know maybe just me it was like that surprised me most which is just i guess it shows me my brain is with this mm-hmm. different time different time because yeah. i i i mean i didn't really ever see cartoon characters talk about beer drink beer until homer simpson started doing it the beer baby yep <laughs> yep but Corey, she she did attempt to tell the father about michael at this point though she tried but she she didn't let it out well, he Pooh, also Pooh. blows her off as him just being a teenager, and you know that's what yeah. teenagers do. They're yeah. weird. But Pooh calls Corey out and says, "You know, why didn't you say something um, as well?" But then, um, uh, yeah, as we go back, 
Bugs is basically saying to Michael, um, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you go too? And Michael says, well, I didn't want to be seen as a wimp. And Smoke says, lighten up on my man here. He's really playing um, the devil on, on Michael's shoulder. Yeah. And um, Bug, Bugs lectures Michael about self-belief. He says, you've got to believe in yourself. Everybody has problems, kid, even us rabbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, I think at this point, Smoke says, but I make him feel good. And at that point, Bugs takes Smoke and he literally inflates him like he's a physical object, like he's made out of rubber at this point and uses this to illustrate drug abuse. And then he, he as he's blowing him up and he's saying, you know, it gets worse, it gets worse, it gets worse. He says, is this what you want, Doc? Really? And then Bugs is definitely a character you want on your side when a situation like that. Yeah. <laughs> is this the last we see of Bugs? I think so, ain't it? During the song and I think at the very end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then Corey tells her dad that she's worried. And um, as you said before, he says that's part of being a teenager. Right. I noticed dad is holding a box and it says, I, don't, I couldn't work out what this was, but it says K-L-I-Y on it and it's got a nuclear sign on it. And he wants- what, is, what is dad's job? <laughs> what is he storing in the garage maybe I, he I, created the ninja turtles i noticed the whatever those letters were on the box and i was like what does that mean but i didn't dwell on it too long yeah. well and, and then i think we get the scene where they're like in the park or something yeah. right michael's yeah. uh getting peer pressure from his friends it's a it's a guy and a girl yeah that's yeah. right and at that point and they they, they now explicitly say that crack is the new cool drug. Yep. And Smoke is impressed by this. Michael has his wallet stolen by Smoke, who gives it to the friends. And then a chase ensues where Michael chases his friends to get the, the wallet back. And he runs down to where there's an, uh, an open manhole and doesn't see it, even though it's right in front of him. So this <laughs> is this is where I'm going to say, this is probably where every child my age in 1990 went... Oh, we here, knew it comes. Was co- yep, here it as comes. Soon as, we, <laughs> as soon as we saw the manhole cover and the electric guitar music started, mm-hmm. everybody held their breath. Because <laughs> in 1990, if you mention sewers and manholes, there's only one thing that we kids thought, only one thing our brains went to. That's how big the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were. Yep. You could see a manhole cover in a cartoon. And you knew they were coming. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, Michelangelo, obviously, what does he say? What's the first thing, the first word he says? Does he say cowabunga? Is that the first thing he says? He says cowabunga, dude. (laughs) I guess they they couldn't afford all four of them. So it's just Michelangelo, but... He I was guess the most did... popular, though. He was the most popular. And if and but but the ironic part, if any one of the four of them is a stoner, you know it's Michelangelo. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says you fell down a radical hole, and then he says your brain must be really messed up. And at that point, Smoke, who also has follow, is chasing them, and he he hits a manhole cover that is held up by be held up by Michelangelo, and he falls into the sewer as well. And we can see that the. We can see that the, I guess what it is, the liquid waste that's on the, the ground of the, the sewer, it's oh, kind neon. of psychedelic, yeah. And at that point, Michelangelo pulls a plug in the sewer and takes them into this kind of vortex 
where they're in now in what's supposed to be a depiction of the human brain right on a roller coaster yeah with the muppets and miss piggy says after this ride kermit's taking me through the tunnel of love aren't you kermit is this the first time we see miss piggy yes okay yes yeah yeah. So and, this, and Gonzo, right? This is Gonzo's first scene too. Gonzo shows yes. up here too. You know, yeah. Gonzo was voiced by Rusey Taylor too. Oh, I, yeah. I did not know that. Oh yep. And Piggy was Laurie O'Brien, who also voiced Mom. Okay. And and with Gonzo's cameo or his appearance here, he's dressed as an artist, and that's there to visit to it's a visual gag telling you that this is an artist's impression of what a of what drugs look like in your head, and this whole roller coaster ride trip it looks like something from an 80s heavy metal album cover it's all kind of crazy with lightning going off and it's there to show that the highs and lows and miss piggy says this isn't romantic <laughs> very miss piggy yeah and then it seems like the brain roller coaster ride is starting to fall apart and kermit and and miss piggy they, they make a run for it right yeah and they well they smash out of some glass and then we revealed that this is inside of Michael's mind and he's kind of, there's a shot where it starts on his eye and it pulls back and he's, Oh, is this, is this inside of me? Um, and then we see outside of his body, he's trying to ride on a skateboard, but everyone inside is going abandoned brain, abandoned brain. And they try to run towards a door labeled exit. Yeah. And they can't get out of it, but then he kind of like just wakes up or something sort of. Like he snaps out of it, and then um, uh, I believe he he's like laying on the ground, correct? Yeah, he and he says, "Somebody help me! What's happening to me?" And we're sixteen minutes in to the into the uh, episode. Guess who turns up? Three people. Louis, this was Louis, Louis. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Will that yeah, after the Ninja Turtle, I would say I was most excited for those guys mm-hmm. uh, because Ducktales was still running. It was almost over, but it was still running. And they first show them that their webbed feet just kind of walk into the frame. So, like, even me as a kid, I'm like, I know who those guys are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was really excited to see them, man. I uh, was too. It's funny how they chose them. Yep. Like, I know Pooh and Tigger comes in later, but out of all the other Disney characters, they chose Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I guess it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this whole sequence, by the way, there is, if you go online on YouTube, there's a video and it's called something like Cartoon All-Stars Reanimated. And it's got over a million views. It's really funny and it's great. It's really well done. But this whole sequence that now happens leading into the musical number, which I mentioned in a second, it's been recreated by animators, modern animators, big YouTubers. And it's stunning. It's so much better than the actual <laughs> show. And I, I, I urge you to check, check that out because it's fantastic. What do they use different animation styles for each shot? Yes, absolutely. That's what they do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's... Somebody somebody did that for the steamed ham scene from The Simpsons. Yeah. It was really fantastic. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, at this point, Michael says, now I'm seeing ducks. And then the uh, I forget which one of the ducks says, drugs? Ah, oh, bad news, Michael. Why don't you just say no? And then at this point, we see a repeat. So in this, in this TV special, we now repeat a shot we've seen earlier because they probably didn't have the money to do it, where... That shot that I told you about that starts on Michael's eye, where it pulls back to show his whole body. They use that, and the musical number starts. And this is the Ashman and Menken song, uh, which is called... 
Um, there's a million wonderful ways to say no. Did I get that right? I think, well, yes, you did. But I think just the way you said, ah, with uncertainty just shows you it's, it's, I love, I love Mencken and Ashman. I think Ashman is a genius. I feel like with this, as you mentioned before, Mike, he was probably dying at this point. And Roy Disney probably said, could you do the lyrics for this, you know, for this cartoon special? It feels like he's purposely written the world's most uncatchy song that you're not going to remember. Hey, um, hey Howard, um, I know you have those lyrics you're working on, you know, that Taylor's oldest time crap, but can you go do this special, like really quick about drugs? Then you can get back to that Beauty and the Beast thing you're doing. No one's going to remember. <laughs> no one's going to remember that or that Friend Like Me song that that Robin Williams sings. <laughs> Forget that garbage. Go do this song now, Howard. Yeah, I just, you know, Mencken, go help him, but that's more important than your Disney stuff, guys. Come on, go. And also the arrangement <laughs> of it. I was going to say the arrangement of it as well. Like, you know, when you think of 80s catchy kids theme tunes and things like the Ninja Turtles, etc. You think of like rocket, you know, they've got this kind of rock and roll keyboard type things and it's really catchy. Whereas here it, they've decided to arrange it like a 1930s Broadway musical number. Well, that's uh, Mankin and Ashman, man. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like they just, you know, yeah, Roy, I'll do that. I'll do that TV special for you, but I get to do whatever I want. That's what it feels like. Also, um, also, um, think about the voices doing the song. You've got Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Baby, Miss Piggy, and the Chipmunks. That's not a very relaxing sound for the ears. No. Good point. Yeah. And yeah, Garfield oh. shouldn't sing. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, if you actually listen to some of the lyrics of why they tell you to say no, like... It's like that's the dumbest excuse that I would ever hear. Like if I was getting peer pressure from my type of friend, oh, because of my complexion, my, my hamster skin. died. Yeah, my <laughs> hamster died. Like they wouldn't care. They're still gonna keep trying to peer pressure me. You know, <laughs> that I was like, that made no sense. That was dumb. That's Tigger sh- Tigger shows up in this scene. Um, he? yes, he did. Uh, Jim Cummings, not Paul Winchell. Mm-hmm. And Bugs is there. Bugs does not get a line because he goes to say, what's up, Doc? And Alf covers his mouth. The nerve of that alien. <laughs> <laughs> the nerve of that alien. <laughs> well, in, in one of the verses, they, for no reason, say there's a million international ways to say no. And then we cut to a shot of Gonzo dressed in lederhosen, standing next to the Berlin Wall. But that's <laughs> Gonzo. That time... you, you don't yeah. question Gonzo. <laughs> The Berlin but Wall the, was the Berlin Wall still up back then? It had just fallen down, so it was, okay. it was brand. That was absolutely cutting edge. But the idea to take that and to sort of tastelessly, um, you know, use imagery of lederhosen, like stereotypical German Bavarian <laughs> stuff, mm. next to this very current affair thing. It's it's just and in, in just in one shot as well that no kid's going to really pick up on. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. But the the bridge, actually, okay, the bridge of the song where Garfield says, now you could say beat it, get lost, get out of my face with that stuff. That line has been stuck in my head for 35 years. Whenever I think (laughs) of the song, Garfield's line is all I remember. I don't know if it's because it's so different from everything else or Garfield's voice is so different, but I've never forgotten that line. Yeah. And it's, but this is, I think, I love the pace. This is really classic Mencken Ashman, I think. It's a brilliant bridge. And as you say, Tigger gets in there too. I mean, there's a point where Baby Baby Gonzo says, I'm late for my baseball game and I'll miss my ride. Tigger says, My kid sister needs me. And Alf says, Her hamster died. Like, so, you know, it's lovely little staccato. Hamster didn't die. Alf ate it. 
<laughs> and but, the song ends when Baby Piggy actually karate kicks the camera and breaks yeah. the screen. <laughs> but and I, I actually made a note of this because she kicks she kicks the screen and it cracks. But then this, it doesn't like you'd think that the scenery would then fall down around her. That would be the logic. But no, the glass just disappears and she falls back down and it continues like it never happened. Their so animation budget probably wasn't very high. <laughs> you know, so crazy. Um, but at that point, Michael wakes up from the nightmare and goes for his drugs box with the smoke. Uh, and, and I noticed, actually, I made, I made a note of this in his room. You can see that he's got a weird poster of a dog on his wall like this really creepy poster of a dog do you notice that yeah i thought it was spud mckenzie or something <laughs> it might well that, that was his heyday wasn't it yeah it could be from budweiser spud mckenzie mm -hmm. they also have in the background you can see a zeppelin model hanging from the ceiling and i'm wondering if this is a metaphor for the hindenburg because his you know his 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 mind is going out of control and he's, he's about to, he's about to crash and burn all the yes. humanity yeah yeah <laughs> maybe maybe we're thinking too much maybe they just ran out of uh, stuff to fill in i, I mean I i'm know. sure like they get a basic design of these backgrounds they throw them over to wang and they just paint what they want i think a lot of the time because <laughs> look at how weird some of these posters are i mean this thing probably had a very strict deadline and budget yes absolutely absolutely and especially with so many characters that's where the well. money went yeah, yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be yeah. brilliant if they had sent this over to TMS or something? But you know, yeah. Wang, it was one of the cheapest studios. The yeah. the money spent to get things like Slimer, like go to Columbia and get Slimer. And I'm sure Alf didn't come cheap because the guy who owns Alf is a you know a piece of work. Mm -hmm. So that's where all the money went. I think I think from what I read though, most of it was SAG kind of um minimums that they were paid just oh. to get it made so somebody must have been pocketing something somewhere i don't, I don't know because i like you i don't really see the this feels like a you know like a chippendale episode or a ducktales episode mm. like a filler episode that they would do just because they you know just just a low budget one where visual they visually this is a low tier episode of ducktales or rescue rangers visually that's mm -hmm. absolutely all this is no effort went into making this look nice no. yeah okay so like back to the plot though this is where i believe Corey was asking michael to to speak to the, to their parents correct this is correct yeah yeah Corey knocks on the door um, and he physically hurts her and she she runs away and smoke says you did the right thing pesky brat isn't this when they toss poo in the uh in the cupboard or something like that yeah yeah they tossed him in the cupboard and then i think alf uh this is when alf takes him through the closet door right into the mirrors yeah but he's reflected in in the box and um I think at this point, I'm just looking at my notes. He he basically takes Michael into a large hall of mirrors. We kind of go into kind of circus freak show um, fairground imagery at this point onwards for all of the um, all the stuff that's happening in Michael's mind. But he shows Michael himself as a reflection, and Michael looks like a zombie. And Alf really lectures yeah. Michael at this point. Another line that I've always remembered is when Alf goes, wrong, flag on the play. Always, <laughs> always, never forgot that. When he said it this last time I watched it, I'm like, I knew it was coming. Yeah. And then he takes him to the door that says, uh, the man in charge. Yeah, it's the plaque that reads the man in charge. And we then go into the office. And who is the man in charge sat at the desk of this it's, office? It's Smoke. 
it's smoke. Um, and at this point, Corey sneaks into Michael's room and find the box. And Smoke tells her to open it. And Pooh, at this point, warns Corey not to listen to Smoke. Oh, this is the point. Actually. Oh, yeah, Sorry. this is where he throws him in the cupboard. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay, Smoke did it, not Michael. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he says, Smoke says, he doesn't get out much, but I do. And at that point, Smoke convinces Corey to use the drugs. But then we cut back to the fairground, and Michael is trapped in a funhouse roller coaster. And he sees giant, surreal images of giant heads of witch characters on a merry-go-round. I know I saw Dewey and Huey. Mm-hmm. It's Huey, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw, their, I saw their heads, like duck heads on some of the amusement park rides. Yeah. and then Piggy, he, with, Piggy's there too. With Tigger though, right? Piggy and Tigger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. They're on a mooring boat, yep. Mm-hmm. And they give Michael a rubber... Uh, raft because what happens is Michael gets he goes through the fun house um goes past the, the the Huey heads and then he goes into a mouth like this giant mouth and it's like a fairground ride sculpture and yeah Tigger, Tigger and, Poop, uh, and Piggy are mooring this boat they give Michael a rubber raft we hear more scary electric guitar solo music playing and really dramatic electronic drums to really sell that Michael is in danger and Smoke says scared to try something new and um, the scenery at this point is going really like full creepy carnival. And we see falling, they, we see Michael fall on a hammer challenge ride and bottles. I don't and, know why, um, but that scene always reminded me of like a Beetlejuice type look. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it always did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the ride from hell, isn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and at that point, Michael falls into a sewer vortex uh, and he's weirdly, surreally spat out by Miss Piggy, who is drinking a drink. So his again, his scale is all over the place. He's changing sizes. And um, Michael then goes to see a clairvoyant at the fairground. Yep. And this turns out to be... Go ahead, Mike. This is your second favorite boy. Yeah, sometimes I think he may even, you know, <laughs> overbugs. It depends on how I'm feeling. It's Daffy <laughs> mm-hmm. as a fortune teller. Yeah. And he gets um he gets my favorite basically the, not only my favorite bit in the entire thing, but also the another one of those bits I've always remembered. Instead of a crystal ball, he pulls out a bowling ball. <laughs> and he mentions like your future is very dark or something like that and Michael's like you're looking into a bowling ball. And Daffy goes, "All right, that explains the seven ten split." And then, <laughs> and then they make it. There's a sound effect of uh, pins getting knocked over in the background. Mm-hmm. It just it's such a great Daffy bit. You know, it's funny just to be funny. You know, in a, in a very bleak special, I enjoy that kind of humor, which is what I think characters like Bugs and Daffy should bring to the table before this gets too dark. Mm. Um, Daffy's not in as much as Bugs, but I appreciate that he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Then there is a really, even we've talked about it being quite an artless exercise this episode, but there's actually a quite a nice transition that happens where we see the ball, the crystal ball, and we see the hands, I think, of Daffy, and we transition to the hands of Corey holding the box and uh, with, with the drugs. And um, <laughs> she, she, wants, she wants to bond with, um, with Michael by taking the drugs and smoke approves. And um, at this point, everything gets much darker. What what happens now? Do we remember? That's when uh, he runs into the room, right? Michael runs back into the room? 
Well, before that, in true Dickens Christmas Carol uh, fashion, Daffy says, your future lies behind those doors. And inside, we see Michael laid on a table and he has green skin. Oh, yeah, that's right. The zombie he's, again. he's very much holding a heroin syringe as well, or, or a, mm -hmm. a a very off representation of one, which I noticed e that... Hmm? I was going to say, easily the most morbid shot in the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because for a second, it looks like he's laying in a coffin. When you first see the long shot of him, mm -hmm. you think he's dead. Yeah, yeah. You use, you lose. Yeah, and Al that, said that, I think. Okay. That, sounds, that sounds like an Alf line. Yeah. Well, at this point, we, I think, I don't, actually, I, in my notes, I, I, I'm not sure where the geography is here. We think we're jumping between that world and also the, the house, the bedroom. Um, but at this point, Piggy says, we care about you, Michael. And Huey, Dewey and Louis say, believe in yourself. And Michelangelo says, you're excellent just the way you are. So, yeah, they really apparently care for him. Yeah, and then Michael finally goes running back into the room, correct? Um, and he knocks the box out of Corey's hands. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, he finally stands up to smoke. And how does he, what does he decide to do at this point? He tossed him out the window, and I think he lands in the dumpster. That's yeah, right. Truck. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And then Smoke warns us, and I, I believe, how long has it been since this came out? 33 years. Mm -hmm. he, he, he says, I'll be back. So watch out, everyone. Yeah, th then Michael says, I'm sure we'll see you again. Something like that, right? Well, it doesn't mean that Michael's completely over any addictions he had. You know, yeah. it, it, it's not like he's, doesn't mean he's kicked it forever. People relapse. Mm -hmm. Which is the scary part, you know. He's this smoke guy is not going to go away. Yeah. But they, and, if they really... and if it's not Michael, it'll just be somebody else. Mm -hmm. Well, at this point, all the cartoon characters gather into a poster on the wall, which we kind of see earlier as oh, a yeah. re really not very well done Wang background earlier. Um, and Pooh at that point reappears the in one. the cupboard, mm -hmm. and he says, "I thought I was going to miss something important." Ah. Oh. And oh, um, <laughs> they all gather into the and pose in this in this unified poster, like in real life. Um, and then Michael and Corey say, "Let's go and see Mom and Dad." And following this, we cut to the credits, and we hear long credits, and we hear a very very schmaltzy '80s electric piano power ballad version of the wonderful ways to say no, which I actually think. Um, it, I think it's it's a it's a very heartfelt, very tender way to send off this special. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, Mike, really quick. I did type down during the credits all of their copyrights, um, their studios yeah. that they belong to. Okay, so it says Alf was Alien Productions, right? Muppets, yeah. Muppets were Henson Associates. Bugs and Daffy were Warner Brothers. Alvin and Chipmunks was Bag Bagdasarian. Bagdasarian. Garfield was United Feature Syndicate. Huey, yep. Dewey, Louie, Winnie, the Pooh, and Tigger are Walt Disney. Uh, Slimer is Columbia Pictures. Smurfs, Hanna-Barbera, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle was Mirage Studios. Well, actually, I believe the Ninja Turtles was Murakami Wolf Swenson. Okay. Because they own the rights to the cartoon. 
Okay, that's what it, what it said at the end. I, I just put, saw the Mirage Studio theme. Oh, it up. mentions Mirage. Okay, because yep. because I also saw the Murakami Wolf Swenson one in the credits too, and I know that's Ninja Turtles. So okay. maybe it was both. Because I, you know, what I also saw in the credits What's Marvel. That? Marvel was in the credits too. Yes, and I think that has something to do with Muppet Babies because I think they were co-producers on that. Okay, but just seeing all those copyrights, yeah, like it really hits home. <laughs> More studios had to come together for this than Roger Rabbit, because mm. Roger Rabbit it was Warner's Disney, MGM, and Fleischer. This is like twice the amount. Yeah. So, Mike, we didn't discuss this before, but I, I want, I'm not saying you have to go first, but I kind of want you to set the rules on this. How do, how do you want us to score this thing, man? Um, If I want to be really evil, I'd say like out of five joints, but let's not be mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, although before we score, the one thing I was going to say about, it's funny that Tim mentioned the poster at the end. Mm-hmm. That poster in the cartoon itself has Michelangelo on it, but every official poster art for this special I've ever seen, he's not on. Yeah, he's not on it, and I think Smurfette is on it. Yes, Smurfette is on it for some reason, and Michelangelo, who you think would be the biggest draw, is not on the poster. Mm -hmm. There might have been some contractual thing keeping him off. Um, yeah, anyway, so how should we rate it? Out of what? Let's, 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 let's be real here. Um, out of... Number of, number of wonderful ways to say no? <laughs> <laughs> let's, okay. All right, sure. Who do you want to uh, rate this first? You want me to do it? No, let, let him go first. Since he wasn't in, even in the US, let, let him go first. Oh my goodness! I haven't composed my thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> I tell Do you, you what, time. <laughs> I think I think it's best if 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 Mike and Will go first. Actually, okay. Um, Mike, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So we're doing it out of five, right? Yep. Um, I'm gonna give it maybe two wonderful ways to say no because it's not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you get past the nostalgia rush of these characters. It's not good. I mean, it's not animated well. The message is very preachy. It's very confused about what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. And since they have legalized marijuana, it does kind of feel very dated and very reactionary, demonizing things that probably shouldn't be demonizing, but that's just my opinion. Um, and a lot of the characters are pretty dated. You know, Alf, the Chipmunks, the Smurfs, you know, mm-hmm. Slimer. But I do enjoy bits of it, but not enough to bring it past uh, two wonderful ways to say no. Um, <laughs> so that's where I'll go. I'll just give it two. How about you, Will? Okay, I'm going to give it the same score, but I'm going to go a little deeper on why I'm giving it. Uh, I, I, to me, two, I'm being generous. And uh, this is the reason why I'm being generous toward it. One was the crossover. It was a big, big, big deal to have all these characters crossed over into one episode, you know, the Muppets and Winnie the Pooh and Ninja Turtles and DuckTales, so forth. So I'm going to give it like one point just for that, just the crossover itself. But there was one point to when I saw this again as a teenager and I can really connect to it. Pretty much 90% of the times where you see Michael engaging in with the drugs, the peer pressure amongst his friends was a big deal to me. 
because like my friends were no different come on will take a sip come on will take a hit peer pressure is a mug when you're a teenager i, I can't say that as a, a 10 and 11 year old it wasn't nobody peer pressure me to drugs back then but as i got older it was a serious thing like you you don't you want to be accepted by your peers you know i was on the basketball team the football team baseball soccer and if you didn't smoke weed they were going to make fun of you you know like you didn't fit in or they would kind of start labeling you as the snitch so it was a big deal so i will put that give that an extra point of how they elaborated on the peer pressure you know toward michael so i would give it two but other than that i i can't justify any giving it any more points Tim? Hmm. I will say, now that I've heard your both of your scores, mm-hmm. I may bump it up to half. I <laughs> um if I'd gone first, I would have just said zero, maybe even minus. Um <laughs> I, I think when I first heard about this whole thing, I thought, wow, the idea of having all those IP characters, if we said the the kind of Roger Rabbit of Saturday morning cartoon, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it, I was just appalled by how out of touch it is. And it's made by people who, A, didn't understand drugs. And it's a very, you know, very complex, um, very sensitive subject matter. But also they didn't understand or care about kids' cartoons. And when you read that that hearing um, that I mentioned before, the one that's hosted by Joe Biden, that's more entertaining than this this episode. Um, from a story point, uh, a script writing point of view, it's terrible. It, it begins with introducing so much IP. It's inconsistent in its storytelling, its tone as well. Like at times, it's it's deathly serious, but it's also presenting very, very cartooned, you know, very broad you know, idea, stereotype versions of, of the world and people. Um, it feels like, do you remember the Darkwing Duck episode, Comic Book Capers, when Pinky Muddlefoot was writing the Darkwing comic and mm. she's just absolutely just making it all out to be plastic and just not what it is. That's what it feels like. And I don't put that down to the writers. I think it's conceptually just a bad idea that shouldn't have been made. Um, and I actually really like, there's a TV show called Galaxy High and there's an episode of that, an anti-drugs episode of that. And that's fantastic because it doesn't specify things exactly. It kind of alludes to drug taking. And I urge you to check that out as a better example. I'm sure I haven't seen that in, in you know a decade or so, but I remember it thinking that's that's kind of interesting. So yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um half. Half a no. Okay. A way to say no. <laughs> hey, I'm not mad at you, Tim. I'm not mad at you because it's not it's not good. It's not... I could have been I could have been meaner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest. It's kind of a really embarrassing special. It's not something I want to be watching with other people. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I waited until the last minute to watch this before we recorded because I did not feel comfortable watching it with anybody else in the room because it's really corny. And it's just, if I would, had never seen it before and I was like, hey, I asked my wife, let's check this out. But the fact that I'm aware of it and I know what happens in it and I know it's terrible just made me uncomfortable watching it unless I was alone because it's just really cheesy. Maybe I could have been harder on the score, but I guess just the thrill of seeing these characters, despite what Tim says about them not being used right, if you've grown up with them, it is a bit of a thrill. Mm -hmm. But once you get past that, it's a complete mess. Yeah. So I'm on eBay right now and... That VHS is going pretty high, man. 
I'm seeing it all over the place from $49 to $75 to $68. Which is crazy because that thing was everywhere. Yeah, $30. This is or best offer. It's all over the place. $6,200. Somebody has it for $200. Oh, it's a sealed version. But no, it's never going to be on DVD or Blu-ray, though. So if I, you I want an that. official copy, this is your only way of getting it. I mean, it's all over YouTube. Yeah. yeah. You can it's watch it like for You free. can't see it. Wow. I see another person has it for $250, and it says it's sealed. And he has a photo of it showing proof that it's sealed. It's not no. even open. So yeah. I, have we put this uh, special to bed, guys? Yeah. There's, there's just so, one thing I wanted to mention quickly, which I think is a nice way to kind of um, reflect on a, a positive side of it. And it's from the cracked.com oral. It was cracked.com, by the way, the oral history of um, cartoon all stars. That's it, I, again, that's very funny. It's cracked considering yeah. the subject matter. <laughs> but there, there's this one segment, I'll just read it, where it, it quotes Jim Cummings. Uh, And it says, they originally had Winnie the Pooh saying to one of the kids, well, if ever you're on the street or a playground and someone offers you a joint, tell them no, just say no. And Jim Cummings apparently told them he can't say that. Winnie the Pooh cannot say if someone offers you a joint. He could say if somebody offers you a smackerel of honey and you don't know and you don't know them, tell them no. You know, that type of thing. I said, give that line to a Ninja Turtle. They could probably get away with it. And he said it was just an odd dynamic because I'm very, very, very protective. These are my guys and I'm very propriety over them. I watch over them like the special characters they are. Who who lives in a forest surrounded by a handful of other characters? He doesn't know what a joint is. Mm -hmm. But like I said before, they gave that term to the right character. Yeah. If Pooh couldn't say it, I'm glad Bugs did. Um, so if we're done with this, I wanted to ask you guys something since I haven't been on the podcast at all. Um, what do you guys think of that Darkwing plush from Shop Disney? Ooh, that thing's hideous, man. Did you buy it anyway? No, I didn't buy it. I got the Okay, kid. good. I wanted to make sure you were sane, at least. Um, that thing is hideous. Yeah, I didn't get it. I said uh, you're not a part of our Darkwing chat anymore, but I was very clear that that thing was hideous and uh I, I did want the pin but i did gripe about it while i was buying it and i said that in our darkwing chat that it's just it's too expensive man i bought it yeah i bought um, it too but I, I i complained as i bought it yeah i mean <laughs> my wife sent me the link she's like have you seen this i'm like yeah but now that you've shown me the link i probably should just get it mm-hmm. um so yeah i bought the pin but god that plush is ugly yeah, that plush is ugly, and that statue came out, the one where he holds the cape away. I've never seen him hold the cape before. Yeah, that's a weird statue. Yeah, that when are those action figures coming out? The with the talking about with the cape? No, Darkwing and Negaduck. When are those statues? When are those action figures uh, coming out? I think it's January or February. Really, that seems like forever ago. Those were revealed. Mm-hmm. But here's a, here's a story. We I guess we can end on about that pin. Um, so I got it two days ago. I came home, and the box is big enough to fit a VCR inside. <laughs> Just gigantic box. I walked into the living room, and my wife and Helena were standing there, like, looking at the box and looking up at me and laughing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, what's in that box? And my wife is like, you know what's in this box. I'm like, not the pin. 
I open the box. It's all in. It's all like the inflatable like packaging, mm-hmm. and this tiny bag with the pin inside. This gigantic <laughs> box had this tiny pin, mm-hmm. and I just, I just thought it was a funny story. I kept saying it's one pin. I ordered one pin. Did you get <laughs> yours yet, Will? Yeah, mine came in. Mine. I saw your photo on Facebook. Uh, mine was my box was like half the size of yours. That's crazy, though. Yeah. I don't need a box that big for it. It's a cool pin. It's huge, though. Yeah. Like, what would you even do with something that big? Oh, man. Did you ever get the the the, 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 the huge pin from Pink? Uh, what's the name of that store? Pink La Mode or something? No. Yeah, that but, enamel pin was huge, man. But I did get that pin where you opened it, and it's Scrooge, and the pin is the money bin. Yeah, okay. You did get that one. That's a big one, too. Mm-hmm. Like, these Disney 100 Years pins, those are gigantic, man. Did you get the Darkwing pin where it's like it says it's dancing Darkwing, but his head goes from side to side? Did you? Get oh, the that bobblehead one? thing? No, I didn't get that. I'm, okay. I've gotten very selective. The only thing I've gotten lately, honestly, the only thing I've gotten since I stopped recording with the podcast were those two pins and the Fantagraphics book, the one with Rescue Rangers on it. Okay. I did Otherwise, get that I've kind of been, I've kind of been, and the comics, of course, but mm-hmm. I ha- I'm not buying the statue with the cape. I'm not buying the action figures. I'm just not feeling how they look. And I ain't touching that plush. Mm. Well, looks- the plush, actually, it, Mike, I thought of you when I saw it because I, the first thing it reminded me of was the, was it Freelance New Zealand Darkwing Duck in um, Heavy Mental when he's standing next to Cerebellum at the beginning of that episode. There's like a zoom in shot of him looking annoyed when he's, be- I think he's being lectured. And I, I, first thing I thought was, yeah. It reminds me so much of that. I, I remember you tearing into that many times. Well, two things. The eyes look like he's like, like, it's funny. We're talking about this specifically. His eyes make him look like he's on drugs and the <laughs> cheeks are not white. Like that's a huge quality control miss. Yeah. Like, how do you miss something like that? Yeah. Like nobody should buy this thing. It would send, I mean, it sends a terrible message that we don't want Darkwing products. We really do. But we don't want them if they look that terrible. But who am I to know? People are buying it anyway. So yeah. <laughs> you just can't win, can you? <laughs> so, um, Mike, so, Mike, before we head out, man, what's going on with you as of right now? Are you doing anything else going on in life? Uh, what's going on? Honestly, just going on life, helping my daughter get through fourth grade. I mean, this is the year where it starts to get hard. And she's not just doing that. She's playing the flute. She's in chorus. She's in swim. She's in martial arts. So she's got a lot going on that keeps us busy. Um, Me, since I've kind of like stepped back a bit from the Disney afternoon stuff, I've really just kind of more embraced uh, my Godzilla hobby more than I had been lately. So Mm -hmm. I I recently bought a, a 4K player for some 4K Godzilla DVDs that are coming out in Japan. I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a new TV and it's just, now we're just getting ready for the holidays. I did go to a Godzilla related convention yesterday. It was a small little pop-up thing. It was the first thing I've been to in a while. Um, I'm just trying to keep busy and just, you know, okay. live life, you know? How about you, Tim? Um, I'm actually working on something that I may talk to you about later oh, i think okay. without giving oh. too much away okay um, okay <laughs> yeah maybe maybe when we're off mike but uh yeah um 
I would love to see one day as well. I'm not working on this, but I would I would I'd love to see a Disney afternoon soundtrack release. If anyone from Disney is listening to this and they they can get that memo somewhere, then please, I would I would, I would love to have that. Okay. Uh, well, with me really quick, guys, you know, as y'all know, I, I, I morphed into an agent out of nowhere. Uh, I'm, I have not hit my two year anniversary yet. That'll be on December 4th. Um, but I'm around 30 clients now. I just wow. uh, not on my website yet, but Daniel Logan, I just picked him up uh, this past weekend. Um, for those of you who don't know who Daniel Logan is, he played young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones in Star Wars. And he was the voice of Boba Fett in uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, I just picked him up. Um, I, I pick. I got like seven Honkai Star Rails. So if you are a fan of that game, request my people. I got like four or five Genshin Impacts. I got like six Avatar: The Last Airbender. I recently just picked up the Cabbage Man from Avatar: The Last Airbender. How do you keep was, track of all these people? It's a lot, man. <laughs> And he's also the voice of Jackie Chan from the cartoon series. I think it was called Jackie Chan's Adventures or something. Yeah, that was it. Yep. Um, I'm missing some people. I got a, several new people. But my client list is just growing. I am growing as an agent. So those of you who follow me on social media and comment and stuff, I appreciate your support. Um, I never thought in a million years I would be an agent, Mike. Never. And um, for those of you who always ask when are me and Mike were returning, me and Mike had a discussion through text messages uh, maybe a month ago, and we do plan to pop up just quarterly, just maybe once every three or four months. Yeah, when, when we come up with something that justifies it, we'll because de- we are, we're both busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Stan and, Stan and um, Tiffany are doing a great job. I listen to their what mm-hmm. they've been doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just one last thing, Mike, you're aware of this, Tim. I think you might be aware of this, but the St. Canard Files is uh, part of something that will be popping up in December. And Oh, wow. Yes. Um, so, Mike, you're, uh, you're fully aware of what's going on, correct? Yep. All right. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, basically, an opportunity came up, and... I wanted to put my foot in something in Darkwing in this lifetime, but I could not do have done it without Mike's blessing since he helped me create this podcast. So he gave me the blessing and it's full throttle. Maybe we can give an announcement soon, but I know right now we're not legally allowed to. Mm, no. We're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's it. So guys, thank you for tuning in to the St. Canard file. This was our review of uh, cartoon all-stars. Oh, I can't even think of the full name. To of the What's rescue. To the rescue. rescue. Yeah. Okay. So this was our point of it. This is something I always wanted to hit. Um, but, you know, we finally got touched of it. Mike, anything else before we go out? No, I'm just going to tell you to beat it, get lost, get out of my face with that stuff. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> anything with you? I can't top that. That was brilliant, Mike. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you all have a good one. And remember, stay dangerous.